listening to the Construction Big Breakfast, where we give you a hearty serving of insider tips and business strategies to help fuel your day so you can thrive in the construction industry. Now, here's your host, Tip Top Tim Fitch. Good morning. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Tip Top Tim Fitch, and welcome to the latest episode of the Construction Big Breakfast. Today, we're going to be leading, uh, diving into a really interesting set of topics all around procurement, procurement platforms, and data from your supply chain, and how that can be optimized for the construction industry. And joining me today, I've got two uh, special guests, Alan Phelan and Matt Banks, both of Source Dog. And you'll see to my left, my colleague, Ben, uh, who's going to help me because he's our super duper expert on supply chain. So, welcome to the podcast, uh, Alan and Matt. Can you give our listeners a little intro about yourself? And we'll start with Alan. Hi, I'm Alan Phelan. I'm originally a civil engineer. Um, myself and my business partner, uh, Sean, we grew a railway company, which we sold. Um, and I'm now CEO of SourceDog. Thanks very much. And Matt. Good morning. Uh, Matt Banks. I am the client director at SourceDog. Um, I'm not a civil engineer, but I have spent the last 10 years in and around the civil engineering industry. So, Matt and Alan, uh, it's great to have you on today. And the first question, before we get into the list of topics I've mentioned, is the one that everyone gets asked. It's not a trick question. Alan, what do you have for breakfast? I'm going to disappoint you, Tim. I had fruit, cereal, and five cups of coffee. Fruit, cereal, and five cups of coffee. That's an impressive amount of coffee. Not ready this morning. I, didn't hear I, any, I took it easy this morning. That's normally ten. Like that, so. I didn't hear any mention of animal fat. Now, well, Matt. I don't know how you're going to take this. Black coffee and a blueberry muffin. <laughs> ben? Uh, well, I haven't actually had anything yet. You know, We've got a nice posh lunch today, so I thought I'll save myself. And uh, make sure I enjoy that. That's my excuse. Anyway. Okay, well, look, for, um, for the, the, we have got a posh lunch today, but uh, I was up early. Anyway, I had uh, I had a bacon roll, brown sauce, from uh, Cafe Tropia, which is a uh, shout out to the guys. It's the cafe in Russell Square. They do a. a, the a green, oh, no, not the Green Hut, the one actually in the square. That's Cafe Tropia in the square. Yeah. Well, right. you're looking well on it. <laughs> well, it's proof positive that a fat-rich breakfast is actually good for you. It's the complete opposite of what people think. Anyway, maybe we do. A, we did a podcast on that with uh, Phil Agostino. So um, <laughs> there you go. that was me thinking it was the brown sauce that did it. That's right. Brown sauce. Anyway, so <laughs> enough about uh, cholesterol-laden breakfasts. Uh, welcome. Alan, perhaps you could just give us a little bit of a rundown about Source Dog, what it is, what it does, and uh, and then we'll perhaps get into a couple of user cases that Matt's been telling us about in the uh, planning stages for this. Certainly. Um, well, Source Dog is a supply chain software platform we've developed and deployed with lots of customers in different industries, but we've got some very exciting customers in the construction industry. Uh, both on the client side and also on the contracting and consulting sides. So, th so the main areas we cover off are collecting lots of different types of data from your supply chain and then improvement processes with that supply chain. So some examples of that would be 
if you're looking at a large construction project, in the early phase of the project, we're collecting um, data around suppliers in the area because there's a big focus now on spending with SMEs. Uh, that goes on then to the uh, pre-delivery phase of the construction project, which is more about capability, capacity and ability of the suppliers to deliver. Then you get into the buying phase of the project and then you get into the delivery phase where it's all about key performance indicators, uh, social value data such as carbon reduction, uh, spend in the region and the improvement plans around making sure all of that happens and aggregating all of that data to allow the project directors to see that what they say is meant to happen is actually happening. Now, now what fascinates me about that is that strategic view that the platform gives you across the supply chain right at the very start. Is that based on aggregating data from many different projects and different clients, or is it purely focused on the instance you're talking about? Often the, the, the customer we're dealing with has got a focus on a particular project or, a, or it's a construction company or a consultant who's got their own requirements. Like we see themes in requirements, but every project has its own um, you know, nuances and what they want to collect. Um, for example, if we're dealing with a, you know, a project type instance, they're often very focused on spend in a particular area. So it's around data collection for that particular region of the country because it's about regional stimulus and spending in the region of the project. Uh, if we're dealing with a, a company, it's about different topics because they're looking at you know, the, the data across all their projects um, uh, and they're often more focused on the, the spend with the bigger suppliers as well as with the smaller suppliers. So we see different requirements from a project to a, a company setup. Uh, and then when you talk about the different sources of data, you know, we've data that we collect for the customer, we've data flowing through our platform, but we also merge in data they will have from other sources, such as our accounting systems, or other project systems and other data providers. And we aggregate all that to give them a, a unified view and fill in the gaps of what's missing. So, so it's often quite a bit of discussion with a, a customer around what are you trying to achieve? You know, what is, what is the source of the data? Is it data we need to collect or do you have it from somewhere else? What do you want to demonstrate to your board, your project board or your company board? And what data do you want to trend, analyze, and view to show that you're on track? So it, it's 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 interesting. <laughs> so that's one of the key cultural changes, I guess, required. Um, I think uh, construction has always been reasonably good at measuring stuff, collecting data, but atrocious at actually using it uh, and understanding why um, we were collecting it in the first place. Often they've been told they have to uh, without really understanding why they're doing it or what to do with it thereafter um, and closing that loop and learning. Um, and I think from what you were saying, Matt, that's sort of some of the conversations you try to have with your clients. That's right, yes. Um, you're quite right. I've, I've seen it many, many times. As an industry, construction is excellent at collecting data, you said. They collect all sorts of things and it all goes into all sorts of spreadsheets and then people park it and then put it away and then they move on to the next job and that all gets forgotten. Mm -hmm. With SourceDog, 
we bring that up, we put visibility, or we put reporting, we put layers of, of um, graphs, charts, we make it accessible to the business. Um, and we hopefully get it up at, to, the, to the board level so that these people at the very top who are making these key decisions about where their supply chain sits, who they're going with, actually have access to the data in a consumable form in order to back those decisions up. And in terms of that collection of data, is SourceDog replacing the spreadsheets and some systems, or is it interoperable and dragging data from existing sources where possible? Interoperable. Um, I would say SourceDog is a streamlining tool. It, it will replace, or it can replace, um, but it's a case-by-case, customer-by-customer choice, really. Um, the, the capacity is there if the customer chooses to, to use it. Yeah, I mean, if the customer has got structured data in whatever form, in whatever system they have, we can take that and merge that together. And then our system will also collect other information that is flowing through uh, our, our own tool set, if you like. But the idea is to put it all together. And, and the, the best discussions we have with customers is, you know, where do you want to be with data? What are you trying to measure? What are you trying to improve? Because if we know that, then we can say, well, where does that come from? How do we collect it? How do we trend it? And how do you achieve that? Um, and, you know, spreadsheets are great, but the more spreadsheets and emails we can get out of a company, the better. Because the thing about spreadsheets and emails is very hard to pull them together at a business level or at a project level. So, so the more you get your data structured and into, a, into an analyzable setup, the more you can trend and, and, and show you're heading in the right direction. And, and just to add to that, although it is sometimes very difficult to think that far ahead, particularly at the, the start of a project, if you can identify what are you going to want to analyse, what are you going to want to report, what's your kind of top level KPIs, then it's moving backwards through the data lines that you need to collect and working out what you actually want to, to suck into the system makes everything a lot easier and you streamline that whole process. You avoid that. Lots of worker bees running around, picking up things, measuring stuff, putting it in an iPad, putting it in a spreadsheet and putting it in a bottom drawer. Yeah. You get it all, you know, you, you have value all the way through that, that whole exercise. I mean, there's a, an awful lot of guidance from government now on what they want to see. Um, and I, we've seen a real kind of uh, step change in the last year or two where, uh, you know, particularly around the social value area and carbon reduction, things like that, has gone from what felt like, um, you know, lip service to it's no longer lip service. The government wants to see real data collected, backing up what they've put in the business case for projects, you know. And what often gets, you know, what often gets lost, and like I said, I'm a civil engineer. I've been the, the section engineer on site banging in pegs and, and been through that, you know, world is when you're building a project, you get very focused on building the project and just delivery and getting it done. But the government is often signed off in a project um, at business case stage around a whole range of other factors, which have been, you know, this project is not just delivering a road or a tunnel or a railway for the sake of building a railway. It's also been part of the business cases that building this project is going to deliver money into the economy, is going to stimulate smaller companies who are going to get to be bigger companies, is going to deliver uh, you know, carbon reduction through the supply chain because the government is now pushing that out through their projects to uh, to, to show it as a real requirement. And it's, it's gone from 
I suppose the social value side of things been uh, to one side to now it's up to like 20% of the evaluation on a decision from a, a project director on whether it's going to go with one company versus another company. But where there's often a lot of discussion is how do you quantify that decision? So how do you make it, um, you know, uh, figures based, you know, so, and it's not just in your buying decision, it's also in all your key performance indicators post your buying decision. So what's the data you're going to collect that's going to say that a contractor or a manufacturing company is on track with carbon reduction, plus the st stats that's going to say they're on track with employing apprentices or spending locally, or what are the types of things you're trying to drive into that supply chain? Because construction has a massive effect on the UK economy. It's a very big spender. It's 10%, roughly. Yeah. And that's without a lot of the support functions. It's 10%. Yeah. It's very, as you probably know, we've got a business in Canada, and it's very similar in Canada. It's about 10% of their economy. Mm. So it's a big enabler of government. But yeah, I see construction is used often by our government in the UK uh, as a means of enacting policy because, A, they spend a lot of money with it, and therefore they've got a lot of leverage. But also employs lots of people. I mean, the, the interesting statistic, which never gets talked about, but should do, is that the average pay in construction is higher than finance. And all the school leavers think all the money's in the city. Well, yeah, there's money it in might money. be, but it's, <laughs> it's at the end of that hook on a, on a tower crate. It is completely underplays itself construction about how important it is and how well paid it is. Well, I mean, that's typically an industry, isn't it? We're very good at you know, telling everyone when we do something badly, but horrible at telling people we do things well. And you think of the regeneration of Stratford around the Olympics and the great things we've seen around town. You know, we do transform lives for the good when given the opportunity. But I think you're right. You know, there's a real shift in the conversation around government procurement, uh, around the playbook, um, around uh, procuring for value and just the questions they're asking you know it's no longer just how can we build a school it's about how can we create an environment for excellent education and really embedding wellness and creating an environment that's good for those who are there rather than just going oh let's put a box over there and hope that it's okay for 30 kids uh, for eight hours a day everything is changing the whole conversation around how we build is changing and that can only be progressed further if we bring objectivity to the subjective nature of lots of it and measure the right things at the right time. Yeah, and I think one of the other things we're seeing from customers as well is much more joined up thinking when it comes to their supply chain. You know, so they're they're thinking, how do I work with companies to get them to do the right thing? You know, so rather than just a transactional buying activity, it's like, well, if we engage with a local company and we want them to decarbonize. Well, if we work with them and say, well, what do we need to do for you that costs the project no more money? But if we work with you and we give you work, will you commit to do certain things? And like construction has a massive effect on lots of sectors because we, you know, the construction industry buys a lot from the manufacturing industry. So a construction project can be dealing with a manufacturing company looking at their manufacturing process and saying, well, can you change that item of plant? Can you change this? Can you decarbonize that area can you em employ more apprentices um, and it doesn't necessarily cost any more to the government to achieve that but the stimulus effect is massive and the the strategic change to the, the to the supply chain is huge what we're seeing as well is is customers want to see 
exemplar case studies coming out of projects, which is a new thing. And what I mean by that is, if we spend with companies in the local area, we want to be at the end of a project where those companies have done great things. They've gone from being a 20 million turnover business to 100 million turnover business. They've gone to be an exporter instead of just a local supplier. They've decarbonized, they've, you know, they've grown, we've mentored them. You know, that we're hearing these words that probably we didn't hear two years ago. Um, so that's a, that's a big change. Uh, what's coming out loud and clear to me is that, uh, yeah, it's come out of this conversation is that the, the, the construction industry is a mechanism for the government to enact certain policies and your procurement platform is a, is a lever for that, isn't it? It's, a, it's a, an enabler yeah. of that. Uh, absolutely. That, that's what, like we're about data is there for a purpose, not for there to be there in itself. You know, so, so if you're at a company level, you might be looking at, well, how am I spending with local suppliers or how am I spending with my, across my various projects? Do I have any stresses in my supply chain? Is there, am I spending too much with different suppliers? But when you come to projects, it's very different. You know, when you come to projects, like I said, we're seeing this huge change where it's about how do I, you know, engage with the local companies? How do I get them uh, talking to us? How do I make sure that they're ready to supply? Because it's always easy. You know, if you're a client, you often get the excuse coming from the, the contractors who are often uh, appointed quite late in the process the default position is to go back to your, you know, tried and tested suppliers, which is sometimes contrary to what the the actual customer wants, which is I want you to spend with local companies in this area and stimulate the the local environment because political reasons, like you say, uh, policy reasons, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But the more you engage early, the more you give those local companies the chance to know what the standards are required. You know, do I need to have certain certification? You, you want to take away the reasons why they can't be bought from. And then you want to show those, if you like, winning stories back to government to so we show we, we weren't just playing lip service to the business case. So big change. One of the things you sort of touched upon um, there, Alan, is sort of the, the resilience of your supply chain. Um, which I think is something that's often overlooked. When you're client, so you, you point your tier one and you're almost happy there, you go, no, the risk is yours. When really it isn't, because especially if you're really employing locally, you could quickly find that four of your tier ones are all employing the same local guy and all of a sudden he can't cope. Um, and yeah. with that data that you guys are collecting, you can better understand your supply chain, I assume, and understand where those levers might be pushing a bit too hard maybe. Absolutely. Like we've all seen, you know, particularly coming out of COVID, there's been a, you know, a lot of companies, um, you know, go to the wall. Um, and there's a, and again, we're seeing a big change in focus on projects where I think previously often the, the government customer felt their responsibility ended at a point in the tier one contractor. And then the supply chain, not our problem, that's definitely changing the the, the government customer now is saying, I want to know who my tier twos and tier threes are. I want to know if they're overstressed or under pressure. I want to have alternatives if something goes wrong. Um, I, we're seeing on certain projects where 
the customer is putting in place communities of supply, which means that they're benchmarking the tier twos and tier threes against each other. Um, but also, if a, if a supplier is stressed, it gives the opportunity for another supplier to maybe take some of that workload and get the ultimate goal, which is delivery of the project. You know, we, we yes. all have to focus on the end, which is on time, to budget, and in accordance with the government requirements, you know. So, and like I said, I've been that soldier out in sight, and you're just thinking muck and bullets and get the thing built. But if you're at a senior level in a construction company or at a client level, you have to think, what is the government trying to achieve here? What is the objective of this project? And it's not just about building something and fighting with each other. Sorry, you were going to say... I was say, going to say, I think that's one of the, one of the big changes that we're seeing. It's in the attitude of the, of, the, of the clients and of the government in setting up that antagonistic um, project structure that has existed before. Government is, as Alan said, they're not drawing a line once they've appointed the tier ones and saying that's all of your problem, which then becomes many problems, potentially depending on how many tier ones they've they've applied. Um, and government, we're, we're even talking to them and, and they're aware now that ultimately the supply chain data that is coming from these projects, really that belongs to them as the government. So they're now starting to have thoughts about well we've got lots of large projects going on with lots of supply chain data coming through shouldn't we have some sort of mechanism of corralling this putting it together that's fascinating so it's now seen as you believe it's be emerging as being seen as a strategic resource think it is. for government and think government it is. policy yeah. Yeah. i thought i love the point you made alan that you know Everyone who's in sales knows that you've got to understand your customer, what they really want. And it's easy to say they want to drain, isn't it? Yeah. But if you're part of one of these larger projects, there's government policy behind that, which isn't just about building the drain. It's about these other things. And that's what a lot of those hoops are for, isn't it? Because they're trying to upgrade it the is. supply chain yeah. and also enact certain policy decisions. They need to prove they've done it. So, And I think the message is getting through because... It's, you know, I think it's people respond to how they're measured and how things are measured has been changing quite rapidly. And, and you see it first on the sales side of companies uh, in the construction industry, manufacturing and contractors, because they are being asked now to respond to tender questions from the customer on all these areas. And you can't just give a blasé answer because that falls apart when you go into post-tender interview. And because there's now 20% you know, on certain projects uh, relating to this area, you have to be able to back it up. You know, So it's now, well, what data have you got that shows that you actually do these things? You know, It's not good enough to just write out a few um, you know, paragraphs of uh, boilerplate and bang it into a tender. You need to give the customer confidence that you really believe these things and you actually live these things. And I think that's the big change we've seen the last couple of years. It's gone from lip service to real, um, genuine answers and real delivery. Well, it's not just it's the questions change. The questions yeah. change from being a I sort of have to ask something, so I'll just ask you what do you roughly do to mm. really being more what will you do here and mm. prove that you've done it before. There's a lot more emphasis on the importance of it. And that's why, you know, it should be worth more than 20%. Yeah. And I think you're bang on there. The big difference there, and you said the word is proof. Mm. Prove it to me. Don't yeah. just tell me, 
I want proof, I want data, I want real information that shows you you mean this. I was just going to add, I think you're right, the questions have changed, but there's a far better understanding of why those questions are important. Mm. Why are we asking these questions? Whereas 10, 5, 10 years ago, we knew we had to ask something about carbon. We knew we had to ask something about social impact. Now there's a far better understanding across the whole board why that is an important question and what we want as a positive result. And when you understand the why, then what you're measuring becomes more significant. You can focus in a bit more on what that is and you're away from that. We just need to collect stuff situation. Uh, on that note, yeah, I think it's been a fascinating conversation because I think what we came out of it for me is the ESG is maturing both from government policy and implementation and also the way the supply chain needs to react to it came across loud and clear and hopefully your platform's obviously a big uh, enabler of that so well done so on that note let's wrap up this conversation it's been very insightful and uh, thank you for joining me today thank you Matt pleasure where can our listeners get in touch with you if they'd like to learn more LinkedIn or our website terrific and we'll put the links in the show notes so that'd be great Wonderful. And to all of our listeners today, thank you for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Construction Big Breakfast. We have a new episode every week or so, so click the subscribe button, which will be down there somewhere. Uh, turn on your notifications uh, so you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, we'd appreciate a five-star review. And if you've enjoyed this episode today, please like it and share it, as obviously that helps us get more listeners. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast or looking to collaborate in other ways, visit our website. Again, the uh, link is in the show notes. And fill out the contact form and one of my team will be in touch. So until next time, bye. Thanks for joining us this week on the Construction Big Breakfast. Make sure to visit our website, www.invent.com where you can subscribe to the Construction Big Breakfast on all platforms so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a positive rating. Or if you'd simply share it with a friend, that would help us out too. Be sure to tune in for our next episode.